Well, thank you, Fiona. Mark Forsyth is the author of a book called The Etymologicon. It's a, a witty exploration of words, their formation, their connections and their meanings. And what's interesting is how the meaning of a word can change. Like the word naughty. Naughty is a word we use to describe mischievous behaviour in children. But that's not how it's always been used. In the 14th century, to call someone naughty was to say that they were worthless, literally worth not. Is that what parents mean today when they send their kids to the naughty step? Go, go and sit on the, the worthless step. No, the meaning has changed over time. That's not what they mean. Now, many words do, but not just English words. Uh, Bible words can lose their meaning also if we're not careful. Like the word disciple. What is a disciple? How would you define what a disciple is? What well, many would say believer is a good enough synonym or follower, but, but are they good enough synonyms? Well, it's important to be clear about this because disciple is a Bible word and crucial to what we as Christians are called to make. So what is a disciple? Let's start by trying to put together a biblical definition of the word. Well, simply put, uh, a disciple is a learner. In the four Gospels, that's what the word is used to describe. Jesus, John the Baptist and the Pharisees each have disciples. In fact, in Luke chapter 5 verse 33, all three are mentioned in one verse, very helpfully. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours, your disciples go on eating and drinking. So what does that tell us about uh, disciples? It tells us essentially that they are students apprenticed to a teacher. They are learners who learn their teacher's teaching and learn their teacher's wisdom or their way of life, I guess you could say. Now the goal then isn't a certificate for these disciples or mere knowledge. It's transformation as Jesus in Luke chapter 6 verse 40 tells us, the student, in Greek the word is disciple, is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So a disciple is a learner and a disciple's goal is to be like their teacher. So by the Bible's use of the word, disciple is a learner learning to become like his or her teacher. Now, let me state the obvious. If we lose that, or even if we're confused a little bit about what a disciple is, we won't actually make what Jesus commands us to make. And that is catastrophic for the church, for the gospel and for the mission. Because what you end up with is believers who remain infants in their faith. Or churches led by those who aren't learning the gospel they are called to both guard and teach. And people will just get puffed out serving in ministries that are nothing more than aimless clubs. So let's make what Christ wants us to make. Disciples. Christ learners. Now the question is, what does Christ learning involve? Well, being a disciple involves both learning and unlearning. A putting off as well as a putting on, you could say. And Christ himself says so in the Great Commission of Matthew 28 that was read to us a few seconds ago. I'm going to read it again, uh, but as I, as I do, listen out for the clues that unlearning and learning are what Christ 
has in mind for us. It says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So did you spot them? One is implied, to be fair. and One is absolutely explicit. It's baptism and teaching. Let me explain how those correspond with unlearning and learning. Baptism first. Baptism is something that marks a forgiven sinner's decision to leave an old way of life. It means other things, but that's a key aspect of it. It's performed on those who deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Jesus, as he himself says in Luke 9.23. But baptism doesn't just symbolise a turning from an old way of life. Baptism also marks the initial commitment to a new way of life. As the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may what? Live a new life. Now passages like those, together with that great commission of Matthew 28, show us that Jesus wants us, local churches like ours, to plunge new believers underwater as a sign that we recognise their faith, their decision to turn away from the sinful ways and embark on a new way of life that he or she would learn from Jesus. Now that's a picture that represents the unlearning that's involved in discipleship. But what about the other aspect? What about learning? Well, there is a New Testament picture for that too. It's a yoke. Now, I'm not talking about eggs, I'm talking about a harness, a harness that a farmer would put on his animal uh, over its neck to guide it as he ploughs his field. In a sense, it's like a leash for a dog. But the animal, like an oxen, for example, if the animal is, the ox, if, the, if an animal is submissive and does as its master instructs, the master's mission to sow the seed, reap the harvest and make a living will be successful. Now, to be a disciple then, is essentially to submit yourself to Christ, to our master's yoke, and to hear and learn and obey his teaching. If we are submissive, if we hear and heed what he says and do it, if we learn and do what Jesus instructs, then his mission to sow gospel seed, reap a soul harvest, and build his church will be successful, and we, by living in accordance with his loving word, will be full of joy. Now, this is the picture that's used by Christ to show what disciples do. They are to submit to living under his authority and demonstrate that by living under his instruction. Now, you might say, well, that, that all sounds a little bit painful. If that's what a disciple is, I don't want to be one. It sounds a bit unpleasant. It sounds like Jesus is some kind of taskmaster. Well, Hold on a second and consider this. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 29 and 30, uh, Jesus says something about this yoke and alongside it uniquely tells us something about his heart. Nowhere else in scripture does he talk about it. In four gospels, does he tell us a thing about his heart, though we can 
draw conclusions from his actions. But he says this, uh, verse 29 of Matthew 11, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's, that's clear. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, as I said, this is the only place in the four Gospels where Jesus mentions anything about his heart in the context of calling his disciples to unlearn the old life and learn from him. What does he offer? Incredible reassurance. He's gentle, not harsh. He's not a taskmaster. He is humble. In other words, low down, as in with us in this pursuit, helping us in this. His yoke, his teaching and instruction is light. It's not a burden to learn his teachings and live them out. Jesus himself says in here, remarkably, it's not like work. It's like rest. Now, you might well say, well, that's not my experience of living as a Christian. That's not my experience of church. Well, maybe that's because uh, you or we or church together have got a skewed unbiblical view of who Jesus is. Maybe a different understanding of the grace of the gospel. We still think it's all about works. We're wrong if that's the case. My encouragement for us is to read the gospels again. See his heart in action. He's gentle and humble. His yoke, light and our keeping of his commands are joy and for our good. If you're watching this and you're not a Christian, you've probably got the idea that I had before I became a Christian, that when you become a Christian, it's all about a list of do's and don'ts and Jesus pretty much spoils your fun. Well, that is not the picture the Bible presents. Uh, what the, the Bible presents is a picture of living in God's way, in a, in a way that brings us joy. And it does so because we find in Jesus Christ a Lord and a king who truly loves us and helps us know how to live. Don't you want that? Uh, we are aimless in our pursuit of life. We end up living according to a million different opinions, but his, living according to his way and his teaching and his instruction is the only way and the first thing he calls us to do uh, if we want to take up his yoke and follow him is to believe that his death on the cross paid the price for our sin and gave us new life in him. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness of sins and start this walk of discipleship for yourself. If you take all of this and put it together in a sentence and try and summarise it, what would we say? Well, we could say this. In answer to the question, what is a disciple? We could say a disciple is a forgiven sinner devoted to becoming like Jesus through learning and keeping the teachings of Jesus. It's pretty straightforward. Now, with that in mind, we'll add one change to the series diagram that we're building as we go through these five weeks. And it's a learner sign. That's what Jesus in Matthew 28 tells us to make Christ learners. Now, how do we apply this? What specifically can we do in response to this? What do disciples do when they realise, oh, we are called to be Christ learners? Well, I would break it down into three things. There are There's something for your head to do, your heart to do, and your hands to do. Your head needs to learn this. 
to take this summary sentence, if you like, and emboss it into your brain matter. Learn it so that if I phone you at 3 a.m. one day this week and say, what's a disciple? You'll say, a disciple is a forgiven sinner devoted to becoming like Jesus through learning and keeping the teachings of Jesus, just like that. And if I say, where in the Bible do you see that? You can just pluck out Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and tell me. This may be a good tactic. And then I can say, that's good, well done. Now you can go back to sleep. What about your heart? That's the second thing. Your heart needs to believe this, actually to take hold of this by faith and love God by living it out. I think sometimes Bible truths have some kind of mental assent, if you like. Some, we, we take the knowledge, but it just sticks up here. It doesn't really hit home here and help us love God. Or it doesn't, it's not really apprehended by faith in the heart, um, in the very, the seat of our will and our actions. It's almost like the way a pound coin sticks in a vending machine. When you put the pound coin in, you're pressing the buttons, nothing's happening because the pound coin's still stuck at the top in the mechanism. Sometimes all it needs is a good thump for it to drop. My encouragement is that we ask God the Holy Spirit to give us that thump, that nudge, to help us not only receive this knowledge, but grasp it by faith and live it out in truth. And that's where the third thing is the hands that come in. Your hands need to take action. And they do that in two ways, by both, uh, by one, being a disciple and by making other disciples. So be a disciple by devoting yourself to unlearning uh, the old way of life and learning Christ. And the Bible says that we need two key things in order to do that. We need to hear his voice and we need to belong to his body. Okay, we hear his voice. How? by opening and reading the Bible. It's simple, God's spirit-inspired word. Some people use Bible reading plans to do that on their own, but you don't have to. You can pick a book and walk through a verse at a time and three simple questions. What does it say? So what? What does it mean? And now what? What should I do? Another way that people hear his voice is to do some study that digs deeper into the Bible, whether that's reading a good book um, that, that that opens up some element of uh, biblical teaching. If you want some suggestions, do get in touch. Maybe if you have more time, you can do a course and study something in more depth. There are plenty out there. And if you want help looking, we're happy to help. We are indeed hoping to run some of our own soon. More time available as well? Why don't you get stuck in and do an apprenticeship? Try one of our flexible ministry training options. Ask about these things. Let's see if we can tailor something that works well for you and for your circumstances. We'd love to do that. Listen, God has woven into the fabric of true disciple making this learnership. It's a, a primary way that a local church learns together. And it's not something we do in isolation. It's something we do together. That's why you should want to attend the Sunday services shortly, because listening to preaching, listening to preaching is the thing that God has woven into the fabric of disciple making that's for our good. You know, this, attend the services as they start to open up. Desire it when we're prevented from attending. Now, I've heard many say, even as we talk about regathering together, I've heard many say, well, do you know, if there's no singing, it's probably not worth going. Now, I want to encourage you to ask, is that a biblical idea? What does Paul say to Timothy in 2 Timothy when he says, I'm about to die, I'm going to be with God? Did he say, I charge you, Timothy, 
form a choir, sing in season and out of season. No, he said, preach the word. When Jesus gathered his disciples to him, what reasons did Mark give for his selection? Uh, did he say he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to sing? No, to preach. Now, singing's great. I love it. I especially love it when we gather. Uh, oh, I long for it. But the bare bones of church involves God's spirit-filled people gathering to hear God's spirit-inspired word read and taught. That's the, you, can, you can take everything else away. You can take the building away. You can take the musicians and the guitars, etc. away. You can take the organ away. You can take the seats away. You can take the tea and coffee away. You can take everything else away. What does it need to be? What do you need to do? You need to have somebody stand up and open up the Bible and you need the spirit-filled people of God gathered there to hear it preached, read and taught. That's it. So that means when we gather, or even if we're prevented from gathering when we're in our homes, take care how you listen when it's preached. It is a means of grace for hearing his voice and following in his ways. Now, if you find this hard, do it with others. That's why God makes such a big deal, not just about hearing his voice, but belonging to his body, God's spirit-filled people. Learn with others. Discipleship is essentially a community project. We're not meant to do it on our own. The Bible says, I need you to help me be a disciple who is learning and keeping the teachings of Jesus. And it says, you need me. We need each other. So watch Sunday services with others. Take steps just now to get together with another family or household next week. It's so frustrating and saddening, really, that last Thursday's government restrictions have reduced our numbers even more. But it's still better to do this with one other family or one other person than it is really, if you can, to do it on your own. It's fuel for your heart's fire, your faith's fire. Learn with others. But don't just learn with others. Learn from others. Have you ever asked a mature believer, someone you look up to, someone godly, have you ever asked them, would you read the Bible with me? Would you disciple with me? Uh, disciple me? Would you read a good book with me? Help me to learn what it is to be a good parent. Uh, help me to learn what it is to be uh, uh, a godly man with an eye on leading, helping to lead the church in the future. Help me to be a woman who knows how to disciple other women well. You know, these are all these are all ways to be disciples and be Christ learners. But yeah, don't forget, it's, it's not all about you just being discipled and seeking to be discipled. It is as much in here about you actually making disciples. I could have given the impression, perhaps I did last week, that making disciples is essentially all about helping people believe in Jesus. And then after that, it's fine. It's, well, that's not the case. The script... It, it is the case that people need to do that as a first step. And it is the case that we explain that in relation to the Colossians 1 passage that we read at the start. But what Jesus is commanding is for us to uh, even hear is not just uh, evangelism. It's evangelism and everything else that comes afterwards. It is lifelong learning that helps us grow up into him who is our head, Jesus Christ, to be transformed bit by bit into his image and likeness. The question is, are you invested in leading someone else on in their faith?
to help them learn towards maturity, putting off sin and putting on Christ. It's everyone's business. No one is exempt. We're going to think about this in more detail in two weeks' time, so I'll not dwell on it much here. But how might you disciple others? Ask that question. How might you pass on what you've been taught? You can do this in community by joining a small group. Get connected with other people. You don't need to take a lead on it. Just be a part of it with other people. They will learn from you and you will learn from them. Or if you want to be specific about it and be even a little bit strategic about it, do a one-to-one with someone. Maybe you know of someone who's struggling in a particular way that you've struggled with in the past. Oh, what a joy to take all that God has taught you in that situation and put it into practice by serving them. Don't waste what God has taught you by just simply appreciating it yourself. Pass it on to others. Read a book of the Bible with someone. Do what, so what, now what, or read a good book together. Now, what can you do? What have you seen disciples do in the Bible? What have you seen other Christians do? Do you need special expertise or a magic formula? Well, these are some questions I ask our our ministry apprentices to help us answer and help us think through. And we're going to listen to this short interview just now. And here's what they said. Well, I'm delighted to have uh, three of our trainees uh, join me just now uh, for a wee discussion about uh, being and making disciples. Uh, James and Ashley, of course, are second year pastors in training. Anna Maka is our new ministry apprentice. Hello, everyone. Hi. Well, uh, reading the Bible is uh, key to um, being a disciple and being a Christ learner, as we've just been thinking about in this sermon. Um, how do you guys go about reading your Bible? What's been your practice? And uh, let me ask you uh, first, Amaka. Um, I really like to read my Bible in the mornings because I feel more awake then um, and able to concentrate more. And I found it helpful to go through a book of the Bible at a time um, just to give me a bit more context and help me understand what's going on. Um, and usually I'll you know, say a short prayer beforehand just so, so God can help me understand it and help me love Jesus more through what I'm about to read. And then I'll try to pray through a few things in the passage afterwards. Um, and the way I've done that has changed over the years. So um, last year I did a Bible in a year reading plan for the first time. Um, and I found it quite difficult. So I, I actually found it. Um, so I used the five day reading plan and that was good because it split it up into five days a week so you had two rest days and so i tried to do the new testament readings at the weekend and then old testament at the beginning um but i'm taking things slower now and just doing a few verses or a few chapters a day great yeah and it's good to mix it up in that way i've done the same i've done different things each year mm-hmm. uh, what about you guys what have you what have you done i um, i like variation and so i probably couldn't stick with the same type of uh bible reading plan throughout the year so um uh, if you've ever um tried the murray mcshane robert murray mcshane bible reading plan uh, many of you will know that you often you can end up falling at leviticus and i've done that many times and so this year i decided to start in the middle of that plan so that um so that didn't happen and so i did that this year 
uh, which was helpful. So sometimes rather than just reading one chapter, I'll maybe read an entire New Testament letter um, in one sitting, and I'll do that maybe every morning for a few mornings, and then just stick to the Old Testament for for a few weeks. So I've got two um, two notes in my Old Testament at the moment, working through that, and then just reading a proverb alongside that as well. And so that's that just works for for, for me because I'm wanting the variation, but I, I feel the desire to want to um, read the entire Bible in a year. Yeah, good. James, anything to add? Uh, not not really. I also use the Robert Murray McShane. Um, this the first this is the first year I've actually done that. I usually um, yeah would have taken a book at a time, maybe used something to uh, to help me like a for you book. Um, but yeah, I've really loved the Robert Murray McShane. Um, it's just the the real advantage of it is that you'll you'll probably read scripture that you've never read before, and um, you know I think that's a wonderful way to, to even um, to get different images, descriptions of God, and different um, uh, in different ways, and just sort of expand and add more color to to what you already know and believe. Yeah, absolutely. Really helpful in that regard. Yeah, so just in case you don't know, the McShane plan takes you through the Old Testament once in a year, New Testament and Psalms twice. Uh, that's the way it works. It's pretty good in that way. I've used one, the Discipleship Journal through the New Testament a couple of times, which takes you through Monday to Friday, five different chapters, and then Saturday is a kind of catch-up day because they know how fallen we all are. And then Sunday should just be set aside for listening to the sermon anyway. Uh, so that's a useful thing to do. Um, but yeah, like Amaka, I think some of the most precious times I've had in Bible reading have been just with uh, taking a book of the Bible and walking through it two or three verses at a time, just slowing down over it, chewing over it for a while, and just letting it sink in. Um, it's there, and, and again, thing to say is there's no there's no standard ex- expected Charlotte Chapel way to do this, you know. Um, uh, it's good to follow a little pattern, but it doesn't need to be long and laborious. What about uh, listening to the Bible preached? I've also said that that's a key part of being a disciple. Um, what do we do to listen well? What, do, what can we do, James? What do you do? Well, I think it's important to recognise how prone we are, um, especially in our culture, to to listen passively mm. and almost consume a sermon, um, you know, and it happens in all the different things that, that goes on in church, you know, we become like a connoisseur, of a church component, mm. where you go, oh, that was good or bad for X, Y, and Z, um, then, and what happens is it doesn't really hit you in the way it should have, because you're analysing it, um, and I think it's knowing what listening well means, isn't it? Um, it's having the humility to say, actually, I don't have all the answers, I'm not, um, I'm not the expert. I need to open my heart that actually there might be something in this today that I need to hear and that I actually might be changed by mm. if I allow it to. And I think fundamentally that comes from a deep-seated conviction that this is God speaking. And, you know, if it's God who's really doing the talking, well, you're, you're far more likely to listen in a way that says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey because it's God. Yeah. That's great. So it's a heart issue first, really. Um, and it's recognising whose voice is speaking. Uh, anything that Amaka or Ashley would add? Amaka? I was on mute. Um, I'm prone to get quite easily distracted. 
So I quite like to take notes because then it helps me focus yeah. on on the sermon. I found that really helpful. Okay, so you're a note taker. Extensive notes to the extent that you wish the preacher would slow down a little bit. <laughs> um, no, not really. Just like brief bullet points um, to help me stay on track. Um, and it, it just it helps me process everything a bit better as well. Excellent. Ash? Yeah. Um, so when uh, we've been gathering as a church uh, and at home during, on a Sunday, I would take notes. But I often listen to um, sermons throughout the week and I, and I just try and do that whilst I'm cleaning or whilst I'm unloading the dishwasher or maybe traveling, um, try and use that kind of downtime. And uh, so, yeah, sometimes with notes, other times um, not. And I find this personally, I find not taking notes actually, um, it, I find being more impacted by the sermon. I find um, an ability to worship in a greater way than taking notes, weirdly. So yeah. uh, my wife is, she really needs to take notes and then remembers it all. So Yeah, that's right. It works differently for different people, doesn't it? Um, now, you've all been discipled in a one-to-one or even a small group of some kind. How has that then encouraged you to make disciples and not just be one? Because that's what Christ calls us to do. Ash, why don't you start us off on this? Yeah, so from the moment I became a Christian, um, the church I was at recommended, they said, find find someone that's like a big brother in in the faith, kind of like, and and, and just follow them. Just Just do what they do. Um, and ever since then, I've I've always had somebody that has been pouring into me, somebody, um, an elder, a pastor, um, a friend that has been uh, walking with Jesus much longer and then showing me um, what to do, essentially, and, and, and loving me and correcting me. Um, and so firstly, that is, I, I feel that's um, really strengthened me in my faith and kind of spurred me on quicker than it would have done if I was kind of fumbling, fumbling around on my own. Um, but it's also inspired me. So as I look at that individual who has poured into my life and the influence that they've had on me and others, it then makes me want to, to do that. And so I've sought to do that myself. Um, uh, when I first started discipling people, I, I would, it was <laughs> hit and miss. Um, so, you know, people wouldn't turn up or there'd be awkward silences in, in one-to-one situations. Um, I thought, is this how it's meant to be? Um, but wanted to persevere because I believed in um, the the principle of discipling. Jesus took his disciples and and poured it and so on and so on. Um, and and as you as I have continued in that, uh, I, I feel that it's got better and easier. Uh, and yeah, so, um, that was that's what I was saying. Great, James. Anything to add? Uh, I think, well, the first thing I'd say um, to answer that question is I think, well, obviously making disciples is, it's a biblical command and it's an act of obedience. Um, you know, there's there's no such thing as a lone wolf in the kingdom of God. I think, you know, we're all called to, to make disciples. Um, secondly, I think, you know, I've really seen the positive benefit of it myself and then I, I guess that sort of feeds into me wanting to do it to other, with other people um, because you, you do learn off other people. You know, you're, we're not experts by any means. You know, that, that's how we encourage each other. Other people have different insights, um, you know, and even the, the accountability of having someone else um, 
that is really helpful, especially when you're fighting sin or you want to grow in a certain area. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. Amaka, anything to add? Um, I think one thing that I've learned from my one-to-ones is that um, discipleship doesn't necessarily need to be complicated. So um, all of the older um, Christian women who've um, done one-to-ones with me have just been so dependent on the Bible and opening it up with me. And um, so I started doing my first one-to-one with someone else this summer and I'm, I'm still learning, I'm still very new to it. But it's quite reassuring to know that the best thing I can do is to is to open up the Bible and share what I've learned from other people, from um, people who've been Christians for longer, and and just help and just discuss what's in the Word of God, um, and let that speak to us. Yeah, absolutely, and it's quite common in in one to ones just to have say an hour together, split it up into thirds, so twenty 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 minutes, just catch up. How's it going? How's this going? Catch up on things you were talking about last time. Uh, 20 minutes of reading the Bible together and talking it through with the what, so what, now what, for example, that I spoke about in the sermon earlier. And then another 20 minutes just firstly talking about some new prayer requests and then just taking a little bit of time to pray. It can be just as simple as that. And it could be 10, 10, 10. doesn't need to be 20, 20, 20. So flexibility, uh, yes, um, but Bible, uh, God's Spirit-inspired word, God's Spirit-filled people together, that's how it works. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Liam. Well, if, as we've said in this service, that a disciple is a forgiven sinner devoted to becoming like Jesus through learning and keeping the teachings of Jesus, then that was a really helpful discussion on how simple it is. You know, it doesn't matter what reading plan you use as long as you read your Bible. There's no special formula for making disciples. It really is as simple as getting together with a Christian brother or sister or two, reading God's word and helping each other apply it. Now, the thing that gets in the way of that, more often than not, is our hearts, our sinful nature. That's why this closing song is a great prayer to sing. It says, help me now to live a life that's dependent on your grace. That's the only way we can do it.